The Charlotte Hornets complete their first preseason game against the Boston Celtics. We'll talk about it all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way. You can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH. You can follow us, the show handle on Twitter, too, at Locked On Hornets. It was a brutal day for Charlotte, at least for me. I went to the Carolina Panthers game, it wasn't pretty. I'm tired of watching Carolina's <laughs> offense just not be able to score any points. It was fun. Like, I wanted to go to Bank of America Stadium as a fan mm-hmm. for the first time and enjoy something. I wanted to enjoy watching Carolina go to 500, but I couldn't do that because the offense was too bad. And then Kyler Murray in Arizona ended up beating Carolina by, like, what was it, 14 points. And so now here I am trying to come back and talk about Charlotte. It's like, all right, hopefully I can talk about Charlotte winning their first preseason game. All right, all right, well, I I can't talk about them winning. But let's see if I can talk about them losing by 10. Uh, Okay, lose by 20? 30? 30? Ah, 40? 41. (laughs) 40 points? 41, to be exact. Oh, I mean, Doug. Never, you know, shout out to our boy Charlotte Sports Despair because goodness gracious, man, never have I wanted to just embrace a Twitter handle as much as I've wanted to embrace Charlotte Sports Despair. Look, it's preseason for Charlotte, it's regular season for the Carolina Panthers. There's a big difference at the same time. I'd like to not get beat by 41 points in the first game for preseason for Charlotte. Oh, Doug, help me out. Like, I came back. I watched some highlights. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I am not as well informed on this game. <laughs> I will be for Tuesday. But what I watched, I, I have some strong takes That's on true. the highlights, lowlights that I watched for this one. Let, let, let's hear somebody that's that's way more well informed on watching what the Hornets did their first time out. Sounds like you watched some highlights and had some high lives. And I don't blame you. Listen, I mean, <laughs> Baker Mayfield at times has, ah. driven, has driven me to drink. Um, so I, I understand uh, what, what's going on there in Charlotte. It's more like Modelo's. $14 okay. Modelo's is more like Oh, it, my go God. Well, geez, That's now right. you're... That, now you're that bankrupt at Bank of America. All right, so yeah, <laughs> Charlotte Hornets didn't do too much. You listen, you're not alone. I'm sure that anyone that caught the highlights of this or even bothered to watch it on a football Sunday uh, was disappointed walking away from this one. But look, Steve Clifford did prepare us for a team that was going to be slightly disorganized. They, he said they've been running a lot of scrimmages in training camp. And, and, you know, they were going to be a little short on details. That may have been a slight understatement based on what we saw because the offense was disorganized. The defense wasn't ready for the pace that the Boston Celtics wanted to play. Transition defense broke down time and time again. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were absolutely able to slice and dice this defense. And on top of that, they weren't hitting shots. And that was across the board. Uh, LaMelo finally did get it going in the third quarter, reeling off 10 quick ones. 
Barnes. Uh, but before that, um, he was not shooting the basketball well. Terry Rozier was not shooting it well. Uh, just all across the board, this was a struggle for the Charlotte Hornets. They were missing Gordon Hayward. They were missing uh, Cody Martin, both with some knee soreness. Doesn't seem to be a big deal, a little precautionary kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you don't want to get blown out by 41 points. It really doesn't matter if you win or lose, honestly, first preseason game. But I think getting blown out by 41 points says, hey, there's a lot more work to do in this preseason than maybe they have time for. So what I talked about before the Boston Celtics game today, it was the fact that Steve Clifford had told Rod Poon, he and media that covered training camp earlier this week, saying, hey, you know, Steve Clifford saying, we have 10 legitimate rotation players. And I was trying to figure out exactly who those rotation players were because it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Ten. Name, follow up quite follow up question. Uh, follow up question, coach. Name them. <laughs> yeah. I don't I need, uh, I I don't, need to know. I don't know who they are after this game, but he did say there was 10. And I hypothesized that there was like nine, including Nick Richards, that were pretty solidly in place. Maybe Dennis Smith Jr. would have been that tenth because they just named him as a the, as the latest franchise addition, somebody that they needed in the backcourt to help them out. But it's funny, Doug, because it, I, I don't know if we would look at this team and say, "Yeah, they're they're really deep." At the same time, when they say that there's ten legitimate players, rotation players, I counted, if I'm not mistaken, earlier today, I think I counted like five or six guys that could legitimately be in those final two spots. I had eight for sure, and then there was like six guys that could compete for those final two spots. If you were to look at all of the minutes logged, for the players that were able to appear on the court today, Gordon Hayward not there, Cody Martin not there. So mm -hmm. those two mm -hmm. guys you have to keep in mind, I think both of us would assume that Cody Martin and Gordon Hayward are solidly in the top ten. The guys that got the most minutes, the starting five, P.J. Washington, Mason Plumley, LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre. Okay, there's five. Jalen McDaniels at 19. I thought he was good from what I saw. J.T. Thor with 15. Nick Richards at 18. James Booknight at 20. Then it was Mark Williams and Dennis Smith Jr. But, Doug, you said it the other day. You feel like there's, I don't know, funny business is the right term. But you don't necessarily feel comfortable about Steve Clifford's evaluation of Mark Williams as it pertains to the right now. I totally agree with that. Mark Williams comes in, plays 11 minutes. Doug, he did not look good. I thought he looked great in Summer League defensively. I thought he was awesome defensively in Summer League. He was not good as far as what I saw. And it doesn't seem like Steve Clifford is a fan of the right now, Mark Williams. He continues to tell you how much he's a fan of Mark Williams in the future, how he's going to be a great NBA player. But I made sure that I asked him about the whole 2022-2023 thing, and he refused to touch it. He didn't look good in this game. Yeah, it Mason Plumlee is your starting center. Nick Richards is your backup center. And P.J. Washington is your small ball center. Mark Mark Williams isn't a part of this rotation, Doug. I, I I don't know. That was one of the things that I took note of. If you want to talk about that, feel free. What is something else you notice about the rotation? Uh, yeah, I mean, Mark Williams, I think uh, people uh, on Twitter were throwing around some words like soft 
Uh, and that's mm. it's a strong word. Soft is a strong word. It's, it's funny to say that that soft is a strong word. Uh, and and I and I want to wait on that label. Yeah, I'm not going to take. I'm not going to take one game, but but I will say that that things didn't look good. I mean, Mark Williams got out there and was like immediately thrown around like a rag doll by Kevin yeah. Kelly, who uh, just tossed him out of the lane and said, "All right, I'm going to get that rebound." He had a look in his eye, like, "All right, I'm going to eat." I he had that look in his eye that I've seen opposing players have uh, around other players, maybe like Frank Kaminsky, where they were like, "Hey, I can do something with this cat. This cat can't do something with me." So that scares me because honestly, like I was waiting on him to enter the game, and we got into the into the first half and I still didn't see him and I saw Mason Plumley play and I thought well there's not really a lot of justification based on what I've seen from Plumley and then I saw Nick yeah. Richards play and then I thought oh there's not a ton of you know justification from what Nick Richards did I didn't see I didn't see a ton of positive despite uh, you know Clifford heaping praise on him in the training camp so I was like what so I'm either either one of two things is happening one is that there's something going on with you know, Coach Clifford and Mark Williams, where he's really trying to inspire him, or there is actually something wrong with Mark Williams in terms of his ability to play in the NBA at the center position in year one. And I think coming away from this game, I feel like it's more likely the latter. But let's see how how things go. Because, but but I didn't get a good sentiment, uh, you know, based on this game. I'll give you the stats real quick. Mark Williams, eleven minutes, one of three from the field, two points. He got a little uh, nice feed from McDaniel's, gave him the pass down low, easy dunk for the two points there. But only two rebounds, one defensive, one offensive, and then nothing else. No blocks, uh, no steals, really nothing. No no other plays of note for Mark Williams. Uh, so yeah, pretty. If you were if you were really wanting to feel confident that Mark Williams was the center of the future this was not the preseason game for you yeah hey that's me you're talking to me <laughs> you know like I I wanted to see I wanted to see Mark Williams get some immediate feedback as to oh okay this is what you can do right now cool and I don't know if that's fair you know like that okay it's probably, maybe it's I probably had, not it's probably not Walker yeah. but the, the the fact is the Hornets are weak at center and, and this game pretty much highlighted that um, as, as much as it could. And uh, I don't know what the answer is going to be for Steve Clifford as he moves forward. It's Again, it's preseason game one. I mean, you could say that this is a big overreaction. But the fact is we've seen a lot of Nick Richards in the past. We've seen a lot of Mason Plumlee in the past. And and I'm, I get why Mason Plumlee has to be the starter. But the, the fact that Mason Plumlee has to be the starter is really just evidence of how bad they are at the center position. And, and to finish this point before we go to the next segment, it's not like I liked. Again, I do want to. I do want to paint this under the umbrella that I I am just putting myself into this game, coming back from the Panthers game. So like, <laughs> I'm gonna pay attention to this more so, and then talk about it tomorrow and release that episode on a Tuesday. Right? I, I. It's not like Nick Richards was good in this game. You know, I saw problems from Nick Richards. You're you're right about Mason Plumley. You don't watch Mason Plumley and feel good about Mason Plumley either. So that's the thing about the center uh, center position. the The thing about Mark, I'll say real quickly, is you know the the shot there was a there was a three pointer made. I think it was Sam Hauser who made a three pointer. I like what Mark did. And it just went in, right? Like he, he boxed out. He looked like he had great position. Fan, you know, fantastic. It it went in, and he didn't get to utilize whatever the good position was. After that, Mark Williams looked 
soft. I think it's fair to say that. Like, Kevin Kelly did throw him to the three-point line, grab it, you know, put put together a bucket and got fouled and went to the free throw line. I, I'll, I'll say a lot of the problems from Mark Williams to me, Doug, looked hesitant, looked like he just was trying to figure everything out. And those are the thing that makes mistakes to me okay from a mm-hmm. guy that's playing his first ever preseason NBA game, if that makes sense. You know, for, for me, watching Mark Williams, like it, it, it feels like for me, he didn't know when to commit on somebody driving. He didn't know when to stay home and try to take a lob. Like there was one lob to maybe Cabin Gelly who came off of, and he goes right in no man's land, right in the middle doesn't commit hard enough to where he can swat a, a lob away, doesn't stay home on his guy where he can, you know, push him out, boxing him out, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he just didn't commit. He like, he looked scared to make the wrong decision, not because he was soft, if that makes sense. And so, so some of those decisions are like, okay, hopefully he can figure that out, maybe even as soon as the five preseason game series we're about to get. But regardless, it wasn't good for Mark Williams. I don't know if you had any comments on those before we move on, but that's kind of what I got from Mark. Well, they just they better hope he he's not afraid to make the decision not to get thrown out of the lane. I mean, that's you know, physicality yeah. is the word that Steve Clifford <laughs> used, uh, you know, alongside this decision about where the center rotation stood. You know, at least with Nick Richards, I mean, he was aggressive on the offensive boards. He had three. You know, you get a little athleticism with him. Uh, but there are some strong weaknesses with Mason Plumley. Uh, you know, defensive rebounding, he's, he's pretty good. I mean, you know, he, he knows how to hunt down a, a rebound here and there, but just like the left-handed free throws aren't working. Uh, and, and then offensively, it, it's a little bit of a mess. So, yeah, I mean, they, they've got a problem at the center position, and they're not going to figure it out in the preseason. Shocker. They have a problem at the center position. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We're going to talk more about the Hornets game against the Boston Celtics. What's the best thing we saw? Worst thing? Scariest thing? Is there a silver lining? We'll kind of go through all of those superlatives coming up next on the podcast. But now before we talk about Bet Online, it's your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, and news and podcasts. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sport wagering information that includes live betting, esports, and scores. And the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, that relates to Bet Online. You can head to the website today. You can also your move. Uh, use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. Let's talk about some of the superlatives coming up next for Hornets preseason game number one on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Is Locked on Hornets. I'm glad we have YouTube now for everybody to see just how bulk you are. Can you give us a gun show flash real quick? Oh, yeah. Me and you, man. Look at that drape. Look at that. That's 100% grade A. Look, here I am arm. doing it. I look at these noodle arms right here. Look, they just flow. Yeah, we got it. Listen, uh, listen. Yep. Yeah. Just you want long, chicken wings? Arms. Yeah, if you're if you've been starving for some chicken wings, this is the show for you, folks. <laughs> YouTube.com yeah. I mean, forward slash chicken wings. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Doug, do you think Cabin Gelly would have thrown us to the three-point line in this game? Oh, well, there's no, there's no quote. Would have thrown me to the half-court line. Would have thrown me out of the gym. <laughs> like, 
would have thrown, <laughs> would have thrown me into the cheap seats. Like, what are you talking about? He, yeah, he, I mean. it, it would have been like, it would have been cartoonish. He would, he would have folded me into a javelin and then thrown me all the way across North Carolina state line in order to get that rebound. You know, that that's the noodle arm chicken wings that I got for you. I'm sorry. That, well, that's, it's like that's I, I, I saw, I, I heard Bam Adebayo at his media day talking about like, you know, Folks like us, uh, you know, in the media who have never really played basketball at a collegiate level sure. and how we have no business, like, um, you know, talking about what they do. And I'm like, look, man, you know, God gives certain people certain things and doesn't give other people certain things. You know, I, I can't help it. I, I wasn't I wasn't gifted with uh, the, the Bam Adebayo talent. So, uh, but I do have eyeballs. I mean, I can see that Mark Williams got thrown out of the lane by Kevin Gelly. Like, I, I mean, I, I think I'm qualified to say that that's, that's probably a problem. Um, so I, well, I feel good about that. And, and honestly, you're a damn gifted theater major, Doug. So, oh, thank you. you you're, God, you're. I don't know so what that. Well, I don't know that. what that. That was Shakespeare, I believe. Oh, that was uh, the Tempest. I called you a theater major. You felt the need to perform, and I'm not sure you delivered on that. Acting. But I don't think you failed. Acting. Let's talk about more of the Hornets' first <laughs> preseason game. Um, the best thing that we saw here, Doug. You know, again, for me, what I got to see on the surface more so before I, I really got to dig deep, I thought Jalen McDaniels was good. And, and again, we all know how much of a fan I am of P.J. Washington. I actually don't think P.J. was great in this game nope. a, as much as I think he's awesome, right? I, I think Jalen was really good. Um, I think defensively, there were a couple of times where Boston – hit shots on him where there was, I think there was a floater and then a fadeaway, but watching those field goal makes, I didn't think Jalen could have been in a better position. I, I thought he was exactly where I wanted him to be. Um, not to mention he goes five of seven scores, 10 points contributes in the box score, you know, in a bunch of different areas. Doug, if, if you want to talk about the best thing you saw, I really liked what I saw from Jalen McDaniels tonight. And Jalen is somebody that has to perform this year, especially with the Miles Bridges being gone from this team and you having not signed anybody else from free agency. Yeah, I think it would be Jalen McDaniels for me as well. Uh, five of seven from the field. So many of those just really tough twos. And and he was not he was the only person that was out there knocking down shots uh, in that first half it seemed like you know he's got the bad plus minus because Steve Clifford did this interesting thing where he put he put this lineup out there with Rozier not no real point guard you've got Rozier you've got Book Knight you've got Thor you've got McDaniels and then you've got Richards and they they stayed in probably about the midway through the first quarter and deep into the second quarter and that that lineup absolutely got decimated and I honestly think like th it, this was Steve Clifford doing sort of a disaster by design. I mentioned this a couple of shows ago. My one of my favorite scenes in in sports movie, maybe even movie history, Days of Thunder. Robert Duvall, crew chief, comes up and says, "All right, do it. I want you to do this many laps on uh, your way and this many laps my way." And then they look at the tires afterward and they say, "My way, your way, and and Robert Duvall's way, of course, the right way." And the tires look great. And you know, Tom Cruise has burned up all of his tires, so. I think that's really what was happening here is like Steve Clifford was saying, okay, guys, if you want to do it this way, if you don't want to get back on transition D, if you don't want to be organized on offense, then this is what's going to happen when you play a great team. 
Yeah. But McDaniels um, was one of the few guys. The reason I call him the best is because I think McDaniels was one of the few guys trying to do it the right way, especially on the defensive end. You know, um, only had one credited steal, but he was all over the place, making things a little bit more difficult on his matchup. You know, he finishes the game with 10 points, one rebound, one assist, one steal. But as much as I love people who do it in the box score, McDaniels actually didn't do it all in the box score, but was right. all over the place in this game. Yeah, I mean, defensively, he was in the right spot, right? Like, I, I don't, I don't look at McDaniel's as far as the 134 points given and say, okay, he should have done, he should have done something differently. When, when we go to the worst thing that we saw, yeah. you know, Doug, I, at, at the beginning of this game, and I'll say this: at the first quarter, I, Doug, my God, like Kelly Oubre made a. <laughs> Made egregious mistakes. I mean, uh-huh. all uh, capital E G R, all the way through egregious mistakes. Like, I, I just look, man. I want tsunami. Like, how do you not like the moniker of tsunami poppy? I want Kelly Oubre to be awesome. I want him to experience all of the offensive joy that we experienced with him last year. Defensively, you know, he said the right things on media day. That Steve Clifford told Kelly he was a pest in yesteryear and that how Kelly had acknowledged that he got away from that last year. Doug, he's leaving this guy outright and just like going into the paint. It's it's not even that he's in the right spot either. Like he's following somebody else driving to the paint. And then once that person gets there, they throw it to his guy who's still on the three-point line. And of course... They have a wide open shot. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. That you want to talk about the worst thing I saw today, first quarter Kelly Oubre defense, and and it it's it, it continued. I know you had some moments where you you actually liked Kelly okay defensively, but I, I just I just look at like okay, how did this possession break down? And it's it's Kelly just being fifty feet away from where well. he should be. Kelly gets to start in this one because Gordon Hayward was injured. But this is, you know, this is why Kelly doesn't start. And Kelly wants to start. Fair. And this is why Kelly doesn't start. But I'm going to defend Kelly Oubre because he had 17 Good, points. Good, because Kelly in this can't game. defend himself. <laughs> well, I'm going to defend him because, I, and no one else could because he was, he had 17 points in this game. He was six of 11 from the field. He was, he was doing a lot offensively. He had three steals. I thought he had a couple of really good, good awareness moments. I think with Kelly, this is what you get. You get some good and you get some bad defensively and you just hope that he put, uh, that he piles on enough offense off the bench. You know, that's what I'm saying. If Gordon Hayward is injured for a large uh, part of the season, the Hornets are really in trouble because you have to depend on Kelly Oubre night in and night out, or maybe eventually they would go to Jalen McDaniels in that role and move Kelly back to the bench. Uh, but, you know, this is what you need from Kelly. You need 6 of 11 so you can forget those few egregious mistakes. Uh, if, if this had come off the bench, you wouldn't have had a, as big a problem with it. And it, obviously, if it didn't come in a 40-point blowout. But listen, there were defensive blown assignments all over the place. And, and honestly, like transition Fair. D was a huge problem, and, and that was across the board, not just Kelly. Uh, I didn't think they lost this game in, in half-court defense. They lost it in transition defense. And then I thought there were a lot more problems offensively. They only scored 93 points in this game, and, and that was really uh, – uh, some of that came in and sort of uh, – the. the the garbage time when when this game was already out of reach so uh, and I think a lot of that was selfish offense 
And that was the, the to me, that was the worst thing that I saw just yeah. across the board. It was selfish. Like LaMelo uh, wasn't getting other guys involved. Terry Rozier was missing just, uh, first of all, taking bad shots and then just missing uh, a ton of shots, not getting anyone else involved. And I thought one of the worst offensive participators of the night was James Booknight. Uh, he finished one of nine from the yeah. field. He was just going one-on-one into his defender. And his defender was Peyton Pritchard. Like I mean, pesky, I'm sure, but like I don't think I don't think of like Peyton Pritchard as like lockdown. By the way, Walker, I don't know why, but like Pey- Peyton Pritchard when he checked in the game, like got a standing ovation in Boston. It was just the weirdest thing. Like, I don't know why Peyton Pritchard got a bigger ovation than Jason Tatum. Like why? Why? I don't understand. I don't well, get yeah, it. Yeah, like they they really liked watching Sam Hauser go out on the floor. Yeah, Sam too, Hauser got a standing know? ovation. Like, it was the weirdest thing in Boston. <laughs> Um, they, but they had so, this but weird po- affinity for Mason Plumley when he went yeah, out. I don't, I don't, this is yeah, strange. I don't get it. Uh-huh. Uh, but here's what I'm saying. <laughs> James Booknight, pass the ball. Get involved in the offense. He was going one-on-one and getting locked up, and, and nothing was happening for him. And it was just a tough day. And Booknight got a big opportunity. He was the first sub in Walker. And, and yeah. you know, Steve Clifford talked about he was, again, heaping praise on James Booknight, saying he was in the in the film room, 8 a.m., looking at things. And it's just like this is some of the same stuff I saw last year from Booknight offensively. I hope it changes. All right. Let, let's kind of reiterate some stuff, but, but, but focus on different aspects of this game that we saw. We talked about the best thing and the worst thing that we saw. What is the scariest thing we witnessed? Also, is there a silver lining in the 41 point There's loss? There's always that a silver lining, my friend. We're going to find it, damn it. That's exactly what we're going to do. Gonna find, I think you're going to find a silver bullet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got one right here. Coming oh. up next. Woo! Oh, yeah, touchdown. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Coming up next, Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Oh, hold on one second. Hey, <laughs> the mountains are blue, Doug. <laughs> it's so cold. It's so cold down here. The, the, the silver bullet is. We're going to talk more about what is the scariest thing that we saw. And is there a silver lining as I maybe experience a silver bullet? We're going to talk about all of that. Coming up next, Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. And just that I showed any kind of vulnerability, well, you, yeah, you I just, think not is just going to jump You are over. the gazelle limping through the African <laughs> safari. I'm in the mud. I'm in, I'm in some sticky yeah, mud. You are the hippo stuck in the mud. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm about to just get destroyed by Nas. Or by Nas. <laughs> by Nas. By Nas. <laughs> He's going to come out with me a rap battle. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug, we have the scariest thing that we saw. You mentioned James Booknight. It was not a good stat line for somebody we hope to see a lot more of this year. Booknight comes in off of the bench, goes a 1 of 9 from the field, 0 of 4 from three-point range, only has a couple assists, has as many turnovers, and finishes with two points again off of the nine field goal attempts that he had in this game. Is James Booknight the scariest thing that you saw in this matchup, or is there something else you give that award to? No, Booknight was frustrating, but not the scariest thing. Thought he was active on defense, didn't didn't, didn't notice him on defense, so Booknight, I, th- I thought, uh, gave good effort there. A uh, couple of candidates for scariest thing. Scary in a good way, Kai Jones uh, didn't get into this one until late, uh, was playing a little bit of four alongside Mark Williams, but once the game entered G League mode, 
Kai went to the center position, whereas where he belongs, honestly, and and started right. dominating the G leaguers and throwing down some really ferocious yams that really jumped out of my TV and scared me. They were so ferocious. Uh, but again, it was against G League competition. I hope he earns some minutes a little bit earlier in the game, and and hopefully it's not at the four position. They they've got some real. You, know, you talked about the ten rotation players. I, I think that's. I think it's because Steve Clifford's way, not of saying that this is a deep team, but that this is it's just got a really soft middle, right? I mean, there are probably seven rotation players. That, and we've gone through this when we went through our trying to block this out. You know, the, the, what the rotation was gonna, going to be is like you've got seven or eight guys that it's like, yeah, those are holdovers from last season. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then you've got a ton of players that they've been developing either for a year or multiple years where you're really kind of on the fence about are they ready now? Are they ever going to be ready? And that's and then they bring in uh, DSJ, who I thought looked pretty good in this one. Uh, so they've got a lot of decisions to make. All right, that's one candidate. Another candidate was, I think, Mark Williams, obviously. I'm scared. I'm really scared that Mark Williams is, you know, Walker – they they drafted Jalen – they traded away the pick that would have been Jalen Duran, who everybody was like, well, that guy's a project. You know, why why draft another project and then pay that project? And it's like, yeah. Mark Williams kind of looks like a project, right? Like, what are we doing here? Sure, sure. Uh, and well, I think Jalen yeah. Duran, I don't think you call that guy soft. No, no. I mean, I mean, Jalen Duran offensively was more refined than Mark Williams was. I mean, that's why we yeah. liked him. It, it was the fact he, he was an excellent passer. I, I very, and, and I think Mark is an underrated passer, right? Uh, but nobody was underrating Jalen Duran. People outright recognized, oh, this guy's good. One other thing on Mark Williams, I feel like we're picking on him. I'm sorry. And again, we got a lot of preseason. This is game one. Yeah. I just want to like pre- keep prefacing this because I know people are going to be in the comments be like, you guys are way overreacting to preseason game one. I get it. But here's what I'm seeing on Mark Williams. He's trying to post dudes up at the free throw line. <laughs> like, you can't, not in this NBA, buddy. Not going to happen. Maybe it happened at Duke. Uh, but it's not going to happen in the NBA. That's not where you're going to score points. You are not Big Al Jefferson. This is not going to happen. Stop doing that. I hope I don't ever well, see that again. Well, the thing about Mark Williams is I'd like for him to probably take some of those open free throw shots. But but as far as the posting up thing goes, that's not a part of Mark Williams' game. It's all about the rolling to the rim, working alongside Lamelo Ball, yep. finishing some yep, of those yep, lobs, yep, yep, yep. and and you know that wasn't there. He did have a dunk, but that was it. That was that was it for Mark Williams. I'm sorry, I, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't answered your question yet. I know I've been filibustering here for a few minutes. Um, but and, and the reason I've been pot. filibustering is because I'm a little scared to tell you my scariest thing. I'm a little frightened to tell you my scariest thing. I'm frightened of the reaction it's going to get. That's um, double scary. So I'm excited. If you're frightened it, about yeah. how scary it is, then yeah. I can only imagine how scared I'm going to be. Well, it's because it has to do with Leangelo Ball. Who has a big following online? A lot of people come. Are to this you show. scared about the YouTube comments that are going to come your way? Are you Are you scared about the Twitter comments that I'm are going to s- come your way with Lance Ball? I'm scared, but bravery, Walker. Bravery isn't not being scared. It's be- right. It's bravery is not about not being scared. It's about working through that fear and doing the right thing. And the right thing is for us here on this show is to be honest and just call it like we saw saw it. And Leangelo Ball checked in very late in this game, fourth quarter, about 8.05 left to go. Uh, he missed a wide-open corner three way long. 
Um, got a good defensive rebound and I thought good positioning to help on an offensive rebound, but then followed that up with a sidestep pull up that was way off. And and the kind of shot that I've seen from Leangelo Ball in 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 a couple of summer leagues now and and a few preseasons um, and and a little bit in the G League. And so, yeah, that that scared me. And he didn't get many minutes in this game. And I know a lot of people will be crowing about that, about him not really getting a fair opportunity. But um, I don't know, just didn't didn't look very good out there in the in the few minutes that he got in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, your your mentions are going to be scary. The YouTube Sorry. comments towards you are going to be Sorry. scary. No, it's fine. I'm I'm sure the fact that I'm not defending him, they're going to come after me, too. And they're going to be scary for me as well. You know, the Kelly Oubre defense I thought was scary. Mark Williams is a good point as well. Terry you know. not scary though. Terry Terry not being scary is scary. <laughs> in and That's of a bad thing. We want That's, him to be scary. He's gotta we, be we, scary. Yeah. He's gotta be scary. And it and it speaks to, I think, a question that I had coming into this preseason and this game, I guess, but in the preseason in general, Walker is like, who's going to step up and become that? that second, you know, big offensive player alongside LaMelo Ball. You know, they had a three-headed monster last season of Terry, Miles, and uh and and LaMelo. You know, who's going to become that third piece? Can Terry can Terry step up and become the second tier offensive player and then is Gordon Hayward? Well, we didn't see Gordon Hayward in this one. Is it going to be PJ Washington? Well, PJ Washington disappeared offensively. A lot of questions, you know, that probably lead to 36 and a half wins. Yeah, and we can talk a little bit more about the superlatives. We have another segment to go. We can talk about the silver lining. I'm going to talk about what was a little scary for me coming up in the next segment, too. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Uh, are we? Do we have one? I think we're out of segments, buddy. I think this is it. This is the this is the last one. This is the final. We're countdown. not doing four anymore. You didn't change the nope, clock we didn't on me. Change and I, it. Okay. You okay. So I was I wanted to make another segment. You do, you're saying that we should you not make a fourth segment for this. We can't do it. No, we only get three. Okay. It's, it's it's strange. A basketball podcast only having uh you know sort of hockey. Um, uh, what do they call them there? Three. They don't call them quarters. They obviously uh, not innings. Quarters. I believe is what they call. Gotcha. Them. Yeah, <laughs> we don't get three hockey innings. We get but we get three segments. So tell me right now, really quickly. We have a few yeah. minutes left. Tell me very quickly what scared you, and then what's your silver lining. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I went to Radio Walker and I decided that we were going to take a four, uh, take another break, and then go to four segment hour. No, no more breaks. This is a podcast. Yeah, you're right about that. I'm sorry. Radio guy needs to get all of the ads in. Lamelo's shot selection scared me a little bit in this one. I didn't like yeah. it. Um, I, I, you know, Lamelo is an amazing passer. We know how great he is in transition. We know how great he is as getting everybody involved and, and you talk about the youtube comments boy Woo! twitter comments they're about to come at me i said something somewhat critical critical about Lamelo. i just didn't like the shot selection you know that that's what it was like i i think i think if Lamelo had a better shot selection he'd be more efficient and and he ends up going five of 19 two of eight from three only has four assists and he has three turnovers on 14 points like that you know uh, he he started the game with the top of the key um, jump shot. I, I you know stepping inside like a you know one step inside the three point line. Yeah. And he nailed it. Great. After that, pretty damn cold. You know. So shot selection for me 
We've seen Lamelo have the the poor shot selections before, and he figures it out. I, I, I when we talk about being scary, it's not like I think that's going to continue throughout the season. But I do wonder if there is a Lamelo ball factor to where he thinks he needs to carry so much more of the offense, especially with no Miles yeah. Bridges, okay, no Gordon Hayward. So he's like, well, hell, force I, it. I'm I'm me, <laughs> you yeah. know, like this is this is my time. And I need to go ahead and force these things up. To be honest with you, I, I don't even 100% blame him for thinking that. Right. It's just the, the shot selection, it wasn't fantastic. And and I think that contributed to his inefficiency. Yeah, no, and I, and I think we have to be patient a little bit with the, the whole team because, as I said before, they haven't really, I, I think, gotten everything together, especially offensively, about how they want to play. Um, so, you know, and there's been some adjustment because obviously they've got Clifford who's got a little bit different terminology with things and probably wants to put in a few new things. And, and we're just not, I don't think we're there yet to make that kind of judgment call, but I'll tell you one thing we didn't see, you know, only got to the line one time. It's been a lot of talk, you know, before this preseason about him, you know, wanting to get fouled more didn't happen in this game. And I'm just saying, you know, just something to monitor. This was a, a blowout for a lot of reasons. And, um, that's, you know that that's that, but silver lining is no one's hurt, no one got hurt in this game. The two injuries that we mentioned for Gordon Hayward, they're they're having kid gloves with him, which I've got my own critiques about, and and apparently Gordon did too. He wasn't happy that he was sat in this game, and and you know what? I'm not happy because they're paying him a, a jillion dollars. I want to see him play. Like forget this. Like forget it. he knocked knees. Not the preseason like, oh though, right? You want you want to see him play in the preseason? No, I want to see him. I want to see him preseason. I want to see him season. I want to see him postseason. I want to see him play pickup games in July. Like I don't care, man. Just paying him too much money. I'm done. I'm done with. I'm done with trying to figure this thing out. Just do it, and whatever happens, happens. All right. Um, we're we're not going to take a fifth break, are we? Should we end it right here? I think this will be the fifth and final yeah. break, yeah, and we'll okay. be back on. Yep. We'll be back uh, for Tuesday's show. When I, you know, look, we're going to hear from Clifford. We didn't hear from. I, I don't think we heard from Clifford after this game. I tried to try to track down some uh, some video or some quotes, but you know, there's, uh, you know, my whole rant on preseason not being covered well enough by the the you know, organization as a whole. I, I have problems with that. I, I saw before the game uh, the Boston Celtics announcers saying that all four games were going to be covered by their affiliate. And I get it. Boston, they're a finals team. You know, They're probably going to be a, a big contender in the Eastern Conference again. So I, I get there would be a little bit of extra special attention to that particular franchise. But I just think it's like it's just this novel concept. Like, hey, cover every single preseason game like your franchise actually matters. Maybe just fake it until you make it. You've got Lamelo Ball, you've got a TV draw, so like I just I don't understand why we can't get better coverage of these games, um, and it's just disappointing to me. But we we will get a chance to hear from Steve Clifford uh, at practice at least, and we'll bring you some of those uh, comments and and more analysis on Tuesday. Yes, we will, and I will say, you can catch it on WFNZ. Oh, Hell, NFL. <laughs> NFL yeah, I mean, Sunday. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, radio coverage is great. I love radio coverage. I love radio. There you Walker. go. Come yeah, on, come on, come on. That's, that's perfect. I love, I love that. But I, but I do like to watch basketball when I have the opportunity to. And that's unfortunately, fair. it's it's difficult to do in the preseason. And I don't. I haven't understood that for years. So that's fair. But if if you can't watch it, then just go ahead and listen to Sam Farber on WFNZ 92.7 FM. And if you want to. I don't know, 
10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can check out your boy on the Midday Show every <laughs> single day next week if you want to. That would be totally fine as well. You can hey, also check hey, out. If yeah, you hey, want to, up? if you want to, also, if you want to get yeah, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. more analysis of this game, detailed analysis, I have my game notes up right now on every Hornets box score. You can get it for free during the preseason. Everyhornetsboxscore.com. Check it out. I'm glad have, we're talking do we about have, actual basketball. Do we have any man. more plugs? I don't know, <laughs> don't man. Plugs. I'm, just, I, I'm just, I'm glad. I'm glad we're talking about actual basketball, man. This feels good. I'm kind of with you. All right. Also, check out Lockdown. I NBA know you're too. feeling good. Everybody knows you're feeling good. But I had to watch that Panthers offense. Though. You had to listen. Yeah. I'm not, there's no judgment. There's no judgment. All right. There's not a yeah. single ounce of judgment coming your way. But you had to watch Baker Mayfield for four quarters. I can't imagine what you had to go through. I I felt lucky. I felt lucky, Walker, that I had to watch. Uh, you know, the Hornets get blown out by 41. You know what's the scariest thing? Ben McAdoo and Baker Mayfield on the same team. That's no. the scariest thing. That, oh, that you have. All right. Also, check out Lockdown NBA. It's your 30 minute daily update on everything taking place within the association. You can catch it wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for hopping on with us. We will be back with you tomorrow.